0: and peace upon your Fresno First family, good morning morning. and welcome to the first Sunday of Lent and our new Lenten sermon series called Water for the Way and if you need a little understanding of that, Jesus is the living water and the church was originally called the Way. This is Water for the Way. Kind of a play on words. Pretty cool. Hey, Tuesday, when we had our Fat Tuesday celebration and gathering, we had pancakes. It was off the hook. It was, it was, it was amazing. Um, we had 20 people here. And we want to thank Perry. Where's Perry? There we go, Perry. Perry flipped the hotcakes. Thank you, Perry. Uh, And I have no doubt God is going to be doing something special this Lenten season. It's going to be be transformative for all of us as we we journey together seeking Jesus as our living Father, water for the way. And if you're new, welcome. Uh, We're grateful you joined us for worship. Uh, We ask you to please fill out a connection card uh, so that uh, we can keep you up to date on all the happenings here and to stay in contact. And with that, let's go to the Lord as his people of prayer. prayer. Amen. Lord, your creator, holy, everlasting. Thank you for your grace and your spirit that is moving in the hearts around the world and around our community. Thank you for the reports of revival in Asbury in Africa and the Middle East. And we pray your spirit would light a holy and unquenchable fire within our hearts. Help us to confess all that breaks down our relationship with you and, and with others and even ourselves and help us to run to you instead of running away. Help us to receive the fullness of life that comes freely through your forgiveness, through your love, your grace, and your acceptance. Thank you for making us on purpose and for, for, for purpose. And forgive us for not trusting you fully. And forgive us for trusting people and places and things and even ourselves more than we trust you. Help us to receive and acknowledge your forgiveness without trying to earn it. Please bless our leaders and create within them hearts to reveal your wisdom. And we ask you to transform us as your community as well as this community in which we dwell with your love. And show us how we can participate in your kingdom on earth by allowing your word to live alive in us. We ask these prayers and petitions in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you're able, would you please stand and recognize God's presence? So how many of us want to feel whole? How many of us want to feel healing? Hope, freedom, These are all found in God's presence and and he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And so join us as we sing in his presence. You know, the the Lord is our God. Amen. 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 And when we say that, really what we're saying is God is or God isn't. There's no middle ground here. If we choose to say that God is God, that means we begin to rely on him. We turn to him. We don't move without him. And we realize that we can trust Him and He will fulfill what we need. And so in that, let's go to the Lord our God. Today is Family Sunday. And it's when we do things a little different. And so uh, in that, we don't have our missions moment. And so once a month, we gather together in the sanctuary here in worship of God. And we give testimony to the Lord through praises and prayer. And so Timmy is going to go ahead and take notes for everybody. And then every, all the praises and prayers will be um, on the uh, outside in the, in, the, in the foyer, a little tongue tied this morning apparently, in the foyer next week for everybody to gather together or gather up and then you can praise and prayer God together uh, through the whole month. And, and so, so with, with that, does anybody have any praises that they want to praise God, this is what's it's been, been going, going on in, in your life? life? Yes, Kinsley
1: thank the lord for
2: leading the girl that we have been sponsoring to victory and she has graduated now i don't remember when she's graduated but she's graduated now and i want to thank the lord for leading her
0: to victory amen thank you kinsley who else
3: Coming here. And um, man, all, all those prayers have been more than answered. You know, I just got a vehicle recently and the job that I got. And, um, you know, I sometimes you, can, you get excited about getting something and, you know, you jump into a bad deal or anything. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you that I caught with the excitement and,
1: and all, and I did
3: the jumping. But I want to praise that all the prayers that everybody has said for me. No
4: matter the excitement or the jumping that I've done, you know I've landed on solid ground and uh, everything's working out more than I could have even asked for. So I give testimony of that. Thank you all. Amen. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, somebody put donuts out front, and I. Don't eat donuts. I brought my cookies. And for some reason, last Sunday, I don't know why, but somebody here likes the long maple bars and caught me at the front door because I ate his long maple bar. What I did not know is I have a esophagus problem, and it's unrepairable, according to all the doctors that I have seen. So, in the beginning of service last Sunday, my esophagus started hurting real bad and burning, so I didn't want to destroy the service, so I went out in the foyer and a gentleman came up and started talking Hebrew Jewish traditions, and so I had the pleasure of witnessing to him about what the Hebrew Jewish people do at Rosh Hashanah, which is Day of Atonement, where we go daily into the Holy of Holies. On Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish people only do prayer and fasting for one day, and they consider that their atonement. But what then happened, I was sitting in a chair, and one of your ladies came out of nowhere and said, and said, God told me that I had to come pray for you. And so we, had the pleasure of witnessing to one of your congregation about one of the gifts of 1 Corinthians 12 which is laying hands for healing and she prayed for me and the gas started to come out of me so I am so grateful that I got sick because I know that I've learned the hard way that when I get sick it's usually a way that God will use me so that I can witness to somebody about the gifts of the Spirit. So I'm I am so grateful that God brought me here, even though I'll never eat a donut again. <laughs> Does anybody
0: else have anything they want to praise God about? Yes.
1: Last week, um Sunday, I think it was, we got home and there was a um, post on our, uh, from our grandchildren. And the biggest smile is on our eight-year-old granddaughter and our five-year-old grandson. They were holding certificates of um, being in, having Bible buddies. And they were both holding their Bible buddies and their certificates. and, And they have readings that they do every day. Reading to their Bible buddy, and they were just glowing and gleaming and so happy,
3: and
0: I'm glad for that. Amen. Amen. Very cool. The uh, and I've got one. It's uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of, heard of it yet. Uh, check it out online. There's a revival that's going around the world, and there's one in Ashbury at Ashbury College, and uh, it's very like the one that started in the 1970s, and it started after service. Five kids didn't want to leave. They stayed in church and continued to pray and confess and repent and worship. Pretty soon more people started coming. And I think they've been there for a couple weeks now. And people are coming from all over the United States there. There's um, stadiums in Africa right now are filling up with 20,000, 30,000 people. (laughs) Same thing. Pray, confess, repent, receive God's forgiveness. Hearts and lives are being changed. Uh, In the Middle East... Um, hundreds and thousands and thousands of of Muslims are turning to Christ. And God's doing something powerful, and it's worthy of praise. Who else has a praise? Yes.
5: It's a little bit of both. A praise and a prayer request. I just spent two weeks with my sister and her family, and I learned that I don't ever want to be without God in my home. They don't have God in their home. According to my sister, they don't have time for him. And I just like, what do you mean you don't have time? And I told Chava, I said, it's just like everybody's waiting to bite each other's heads off. And when Sunday came around and I'm like, I found the, Nash, the Nazarene Church, but I couldn't remember where it was. My brother-in-law said, "I'll take you to church." And right around the corner from where they live is the Jensen Franklin Church, the big mega church. And I said, "No, I'm from a small family church. That's what I want to feel, especially after having been with my sister and her family. It's like I need family." So then I remembered Pastor Chris does the online. So we went out and then I put my earphones on and I listened to church and I just felt the warmth. And my brother-in-law kept talking to him. My sister said, no, she's in church right now. Leave her alone. And I did get to witness to my sister, but I need uh, prayer so that I can get through her. And then maybe she can, God needs to be in that house. But the biggest thing I took away is I don't ever want to be without God.
0: Does anybody have any other prayers? Um,
3: I don't like doing this, but, um, I do want to ask God to um, help me to be obedient. And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say.
0: Amen. Does anybody else have prayers?
6: I would like to pray for um, my great-grandma, Dolores, who lives up in Hanford. She hasn't been feeling well for the past couple of weeks, and I'd just like to pray for her.
0: And who else?
3: got to raise your hand up well, tall, Brother John. I, <laughs> I want to thank the Lord for this morning. When I walked into church, I forgot about Sunday school. But we had Sunday school this morning. Answers to many, many prayers over the weeks. And Bill did a wonderful job at teaching that class. I'm just just wanting to give him a blessing that God gives I'm not God please don't mistake me for God (laughs) but Bill deserves accolades for it because he did a wonderful job and I am looking forward to next Sunday this is commercial every one of you should be in Bill's class tomorrow, next Sunday we're going to be talking about assurance And it's going to be a great class. If you miss it, you've missed it. Be in there next Sunday morning for that class. It will be worth your time. And no, I'm not teaching it. You don't have to worry. (coughs) Bill is doing a better job than I would ever do. And I want to commend him for it. And I thank God for Bill. I thank God for Bill. For our church, for our board, And I love them all. I love all of you. Lord bless you all. Come back next Sunday. Thanks, John. We are thankful to the Holy Spirit Uh, who who brought us all together. Thankful thankful for this church. Thankful for our pastor who is giving us uh, guidance and and direction on this. So uh, God bless you, John, and the rest of it.
0: Does anybody else have any any
3: prayers? Did he help? Okay.
0: All right. And with that, let's let's all pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you, and we come to you with our prayers. And. Uh, Thank you for moving in our hearts in this past month, and we look forward to what you would have coming. So, hear our prayers and petitions, and we ask these in your name, Jesus. Amen. As we continue to worship and song, and um, as we begin our Lenten journey, we're reminded that, that God's people traveled. The Israelites, they traveled in the wilderness. There's people that traveled <clears throat> from far off distances to go ahead and, and worship at Passover. Jesus did a lot of traveling in His, in his ministry. I, I always wondered if Jesus had a, like a Fitbit, what His steps would be. <clears throat> and then we have our own personal journeys, right? Those journeys through the storms of life and those days of sunshine. And every single one of these journeys has something in common. And that's praise, that praising God, that we can be sad, we can lament, and we can feel all sorts of emotions, you know, because no matter what we're feeling, it does not diminish our ability to praise. You know, I know some of us right here, right now, are going through the thick of it. How much more do we need to praise God? Whether we're in the thick of it or, or not. God is worthy of praise.
7: Amen. Praise, praise.
0: like to invite Timmy on up for our offering.
1: This has been a great morning listening to these praises and the prayers, prayer requests. And it's so great to hear our church family being a church family and ministering to each other. And we want to continue right now with our praising, with our worshiping. A great way to worship is our tithes. Let's give you back to God. So we want to pray for the tithes that we're going to that will be used this week, okay? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning because we love you, dear Lord. We love you and we are so thankful for all that you have done for us. You love us so much. And we thank you, Father, for each one of these praises and each one of these prayers. These prayers represent our faith in you, Lord God, and our faith in a God who is a healer, who takes care of us in, in just so many, many ways. We pray, Father, for the blessing this this week in our tithes and our offerings, that that would go to help further Your kingdom here on earth. Father, we just thank You and praise Your name. <coughs> Amen.
0: Me. It's all good all right it's time to pass the peace so let's just go around and greet one another and just say good morning
6: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. As everyone kind of gets settled back in i 've got a few announcements and help her for my announcements. Um, the first one before I forget that 's not on my list after church there's going to be pizza and prayer uh, following our family service so yeah come come hungry and excited for that and then what is on my list actually, there is one more uh, next week as uh Uh, Brother John and Brother Bill were talking about next Sunday is going to be Assurance, correct? Assurance for the Linton lessons, um, Sunday mornings. And then other than that, we've got Grow Group. That is actually Thursday, March the 2nd. It says Tuesday on my list, but Thank you for correcting me, Pastor, because I would have read just right from my list. So <laughs> that's Thursday the second, uh, and then the annual uh, all church meeting is going to be March nineteenth, twelve thirty to three after service. So that's March nineteenth, and then the Yosemite Missional Area Greatness of God, uh, which is an amazing time if you haven't been. That's going to be March fifth uh, at Clovis Church. Yes, it's Clovis Church, and that's going to be uh, from six to eight. And then we've got board elections um, in the fellowship hall, if you haven't voted. Oh, in the lobby, I'm sorry, in the lobby. So, board elections, if you are a member, please vote. So, that's all I've got.
0: Pastor? Thank you. And could I get all my friends um, from like this tall to up to sixth grade to come on up here? And we're just going to hang out for a minute. And we got some story time. All right, just get, come on up here. We're going to have to figure something out. Oh, nice. Hi. Hey, how are you? Yeah, you can sit down there. Oh, nice. If you're sitting down there, I'm sitting down there. I got a mic. I'm mic'd up so everybody can hear me. They don't have to see me. <laughs> Did that work? Yeah. <clears throat> cool. All right. So, I got, how is everybody doing? What's good? Everything. Alright, well that's a we that's an all babies because
3: me and her just got the whole other part.
0: You just almost poked dry out. I'm okay. sure everything's good. Alright, very awesome. Alright, so I got the story, okay? So hold on. So back and don't hit people. That's not good. <clears throat> right, Thank you. The pardon? No, no, that's a mermaid and that's a deer head. She's asking about my tattoos. <clears throat> the, all right, so back in the time of the Leviathans, okay, so uh, big, big sea monster. There was this dragon and this dragon <clears throat> went around in all the land and it started grabbing all the treasure from everything, from everybody. Yeah. And it just collected it and collected it. And the kings in the area would come against the dragon. They couldn't defeat the dragon. And the armies would come against the dragon. And they couldn't defeat the dragon. And there was one time the dragon beat 10,000 soldiers before breakfast. And this one day, this farmer goes to the dragon, doesn't have any weapons, no swords. Because this dragon cannot be beat. And he goes and he does this, and the dragon lowers its head, he get closer, and he whispers,. And the dragon steps aside. The farmer goes in, collects his treasure, didn't take what wasn't his, took his, and goes back. And goes back to his cottage. The king finds out, and the king summons this, this farmer into the, the castle and, and says, you defeated the dragon. What happened? Where's your army? He says, I don't need one. And the king says, how did you do it? He says, you have to know only one thing to beat the dragon. The king said, what is that? And He said, you just have to know what its name is. And you whisper that name to the dragon, and it takes away all of its power. You see, the um, we all have those things. We all have dragons in our life, right? We all have those things that, that take, you know, the the joy and the freedom and, and the fullness of life that we have, and and the fullness of life of of what we have, and. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, we just, <clears throat> we need to remember that, that we don't have to fight those. See, Jesus died on the cross, so we don't have to fight those dragons. All we have to do is name them. So let's just say that a friend of yours took your Legos and without asking, and it made you angry and you wanted to, you're really, really angry. Then we simply just go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I'm really angry because my friend took my Legos and I'm going to give that anger to you. And Jesus is going to go ahead and take that anger. And then what Jesus does, he starts taking away the power of that anger dragon in our lives. Yes, Kinsley. Um, okay,
2: so this is really good because there's a bunch of mean, mean kids
7: on the bus and in my school that make fun of me and they're mean to me, and I should just start giving
0: my anger to God. You give your anger to Jesus. Yeah, right, because that anger kind of steals the happiness we have. When we give our anger to Jesus and he takes away the power of the dragon, it helps us to, to love God more. It helps us to love others more. It helps us to love ourselves more, yeah. right?
5: Yeah, and one fifth grader on the bus, she, I don't know what it was, but it was, it was something in
2: foil or whatever. She threw it right at my nose, and I started crying. Oh,
7: I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I started crying, and I told the teacher, the bus
0: driver. Yeah, and those kind of things, and that happens to the adults. You know, it happens to all of us that... You know there's always going to be a fifth grader who's going to throw something that's going to hit us in the nose and it's going to make us or yeah or they're going to make fun of us or they're going to upset us and we're going to get angry. And
7: graders and second graders. But we don't make fun of you here.
0: That's just not nice. You know what though? But you know who who doesn't make fun of us? Is God. He doesn't make fun of us. He never leaves us, and he also always wants to go ahead and give us love, and he wants to take, all we have to do is name those things, those dragons in our lives, and give them over to him. So let me pray for you guys. Lord, I thank you for my friends, and I ask that you watch over them. They're going through some tough situations, and they, and we need your help. So remind us to go ahead when we're in these situations to give these dragons over to you. Name what they are, anger or fear, guilt, whatever it is. Lord, we give it over to you so we can experience your love and be free. We also, Lord, we just ask that you help those people that are making fun of us to, to just be nicer. Let them know your love too. And we ask that you bless our friends right here. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, you guys, you can get back to your seat. You can ask me after service. After, after service. Thank you. You can ask after service. Thank you, Kinsley. You know, we all have those dragons in our life. It doesn't matter if we're sitting on the bus doesn't matter if we're, going to, if we're sitting at work. We all have those things in our life that, that affect us. And if you have your Bibles and you have your apps, please turn to uh, Genesis 2, 15 through 17, and Genesis 3, 1 through 7. <clears throat> you know, we're, what we're talking about this morning is sin. And sin is sometimes treated as a taboo subject because we really don't like to say it. It's something we don't like to be confronted with and it's certainly nothing that we like to talk about. Um, Yet most of us are readily will admit in a moment that it is a present reality in our world. Greed, violence, selfishness, bullying, right people teasing and those just name a few examples these are the dragons that exist in our world and and over the the course of years i i came to just the realization of a real simple definition of sin that all of us from the youngest to the oldest can realize that it's Sin is anything that creates a wedge in our relationship with God and causes us not to fully trust God. See, even if we don't like talking about our own sin, sometimes it's quick to point out the sins of others around us. And the challenge is is for us to recognize and to admit that sin is something that we all pray to. We all fall into and it's all something we've all participated in. And this journey, this journey of, of Lent, the season of Lent is this time where we begin to confront our own sins. And, and that's why Genesis right here in, in 2 and 3 is, is a great and ideal place to start this 40-day journey because we see in this story today is where sin enters into the world. And the story isn't just about Adam and Eve. This is a story about all of us. It's an age-old story that is played out over and over and over again about humanity choosing our way over the ways of God. And the season of Lent is when we confront our sin, when we name our sin, and so it can be removed and we can dive into this deeper relationship with God, a deeper relationship with each other, deeper relationship within our own hearts. So, if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word, Genesis two fifteen through seventeen and three one through seven. <clears throat> the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, "You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge." Of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the any tree in the garden?" The woman said to the serpent, "We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden." and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the, tree, the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This has been the word of the Lord, and all of God's people said, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> See, it's easy to start this text um, with a set of rules about everything Adam and Eve were not allowed to do, the thou shall not list. Don't we love that list? I especially love that list as a dad. You shall not eat the last cookie. Thus says your father. <clears throat> but when we do emphasize the nots, we miss the actual point and emphasis of this, which is God's vast Provision. You see, Adam and Eve could eat from any every tree within the garden. Everything was available to them, except one, just one specific tree. In fact, all the other trees were encouraged to eat from, to share with. God provided abundantly for humanity. There's only one tree out of the vast abundance of trees that they were not supposed to eat from. You know what? And that seems easy for us, right? Well, why did they go ahead and just eat from that one tree when, when they could eat anything else and they couldn't have that one? And really what it is, their struggle is our struggle, right? We still do this. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise mine. How many of us see a sign that says, don't touch wet paint? Yep, the sign is right. can't tell you how many times Shelley has told me, don't touch it, don't touch it. And I look at her, do you have a tissue? The paint's still wet. Um, I remember there was one time our oldest son was 10 months old. <clears throat> Shelley and I were at the Grand Canyon. And I had one of those baby backpacks where his head was about here. And we come up to the fence and we're seeing the Grand Canyon and and I saw some people way out over there taking a picture, you know, on the edge of the canyon. So the backdrop of the whole Grand Canyon was there and I thought that would be a great picture for myself and my son. That'd be really cool. He'll appreciate it one day. Uh, But there's a sign that says, do not cross fence line boundary. (laughs) Huh. So I jump the fence, and I go over, I'm standing on the edge, I've got the Grand Canyons right there, and I'm standing on the edge, and, and this is back before the cell phones were really popular, and so I got my camera, do you, how many remember that, and you got to line up and look right in there and smile, and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't get Luke, okay, but i got to get the Grand Canyon, so I click, <clears throat> it was a great picture. I'm headed back and I'm ducking over some trees because I didn't want to come the way I was going because there was more people there and I'm thinking there might be a ranger. So I duck under some trees and I forget. Luke's in this backpack and his head's way up here and all of a sudden, bam! Luke gets hit in the face with a tree branch. He starts screaming. He's got scratches all over his face. Shelly wants to kill me. You see, the boundary was there for a reason. And I found out later there is plenty of other very cool and similar places I could have gotten a picture. But I couldn't wait. I just had to go see. One of the things we forget is boundaries are an important life giving, or is an important part that gives life to us. And the problem is, in general, as people, we don't like others to. Tell us what we can't or, or where we can't or what we're not allowed to do. And in our text, God creates this boundary not to hurt us, but for the well being of humanity. And that boundary is simple if you eat from this fruit, if you eat the fruit of this tree, you are going to die. And whether that death was immediate or later on at some point, the text isn't clear and it really doesn't matter. The important part is there was a consequence that God expressed when, when hit the boundary is disregarded. When we disobey what happens and the consequence was certain death. You know, that boundary really ultimately is about trust, isn't it? Do Adam, did Adam and Eve trust that God wants good for them? Do Adam and Eve trust that the provision that God gives from them of all these other trees is enough? Do Adam and Eve trust that everything else is going to meet the needs and all they have? Or do they trust that they still need that one? That really cool pick on the other side of the the fence line. That really cool tree. That fruit, you know, Adam is placed. Adam and Eve are placed in the garden to tend and care for it, and even this purpose um, shows God's extravagant and abundant provision, and and God is trusting humanity to care for it. God is trusting humanity to care and take care of His very good creation. And this includes that one tree. God didn't try to do a bait and switch and say, hey, everybody, take care of all this. And then later on, after everything's all cool, he goes, but don't do that one. It's from the get-go. God had created that tree. It was there from the beginning. And he just simply said, take care of it, but don't take of it. You know, and we see this mutual respect and this mutual trust that God built into this relationship between himself and us as his creation. God trusts us to tend to that which he provides and to follow his plan. And we are to trust that God's plan is simply enough for us. And just tend to what he provides. Do the next indicated step. God puts it in front of you, take care of that. See, that caring in the garden leads to this abundance of life and a freedom in life because we just trust God is going to give us what we need and we just do what's in front of us. And, when it, and in that abundance, it nurtures our relationship with God, it nurtures our relationship with each other and allows us to nurture the relationship within our own hearts. And it begins to build and, tru- and have trust. You know, and, and then there's the blame the serpent. You know, we, we, we aren't sure what the serpent is. You know, some say it's a snake. Some say it's the devil in disguise. Some say it's a, it's a metaphor for idolatry. There's, it's argued by scholars for centuries. But what is important here is not defining the serpent, rather understanding the role of what the serpent is doing, which is to tempt Adam and Eve to violate the boundary. See, the benefit of not knowing what the serpent really is is that we can use our own imaginations and what tempts us. What dragons do we have in our lives that tempt us to act out against God to cross those boundaries in our lives that that are set? That have us speak out or act out against His love? Um, See, the question the serpent simply asks is the serpent just questions the boundary. There's a theologian and and writer, Walter uh, Brueggemann, and he says the serpent transforms the boundary that God has established. The boundary is meant for the good of humanity. We've already established that. The serpent transforms it in their minds. There's something that is really good over there that God is trying to keep humanity from from partaking in. It's like that picture with Luke. It was really cool, and I felt that that fence was trying to keep me from having a really cool picture, a moment with my son. What I didn't realize is that boundary was actually protecting us. Had I heated it, he wouldn't have gotten smacked in the face. See, in essence, the serpent has us questioned. It has us question the need for a boundary. At least a boundary for us personally, right? Because that boundary and those rules that we see in our life, that's for the other person. But it's not for me, because I know better. I'm smarter. I know what I'm doing. I'm responsible. I can handle it. The serpent doesn't erase the boundary, only questions if the boundary is necessary. You know, when it comes to sin, I've often heard that it says that if you give an inch, you take a mile. And I completely and old-heartedly disagree. What I have found in life is sin comes by inches. See, you're in an inch and you just explore the next inch. And then you explore the next one. And then you explore the next one. Then you experience and explore it. And then the next one and the next one. See, the funny thing about sin is that one inch is too much and a million inches is never, ever enough. Because sin is subtle. Sin is cunning. Sin is powerful. And sin is baffling. You know, in our our text, we see that Adam and Eve had everything that they need. They only had one boundary. And then pretty soon, what is it, just like all of us, we fixate on what we can't have. If I say, don't think of apples, you're going to start thinking of apples. We begin to fixate on those things. You know, they notice that the fruit is pleasing to the eye. They notice that it's good for food. They see all these things that it could be. Why would God keep us from that? It's good and desirable for gaining wisdom. You know, and the temptation here is the temptation not to trust God and to reorder how things are meant to be. We see that that humans, humanity... We're to be placed as caregivers of creation. And yet here, because of sin, creation is trying to rule humanity. Humanity is supposed to trust God, and yet here we see we are questioning whether God's trustworthy. Can we really trust that God has that boundary for our good? And this, uh, the serpent uses a strategy to, to encourage disobedience to God, which results in becoming disconnected from God and, and to move away from this intimate relationship with God. And, and ultimately it comes down to the, the violation of this boundary was a choice. The serpent never forced anybody to do this. They chose to. They chose not to trust God. They chose that they knew better and that they knew what was best for them and they chose to trust in something other than God. Sometimes we do that ourselves. We trust in our experience that we know better. We trust in maybe our finances, our wisdom, our personal truth. Maybe we just trust our religious routines and our traditions you know, we trust that which we think about when we go to bed, and we trust that which is our first thought in the morning when we wake up. Which makes us think or wonder. If I'm not thinking and trusting in God when I go to bed and I wake up in the morning, then where am I putting my trust in? You know, in, exchange, in the exchange with the serpent, the... Um, there's a lot of you, you's in the pronouns, uh, and it's, the you's are plural in Hebrew. The English, um, instead of saying you, a better translation be y'all. Uh, but apparently the, the English translation wasn't written by a bunch of people in the South or in Texas. And it, it was indicated that both Adam and Eve are responsible for disregarding the boundaries set by choosing to eat of the one tree. And even if the the serpent is only addressing Eve in the text, verse 6 tells us that Adam is right there with her the whole time and is uh, very loudly silent. But ultimately, both choose to eat of the fruit. Humanity. In essence, all of humanity has sinned. And not just one particular person sinned and they cause another person to sin. This sin cap is everybody is responsible for that that choice is made by both adam and eve to go against god's boundary and that choice is something that all of us still make you know and then it shifts the blame that we see in verses 12 and 13 adam blames eve eve blames a serpent no one wants to take responsibility for what's going on in their violation of the boundary and that violation of not taking responsibility fractures this relationship with God, through their unwillingness to take responsibility for their actions. And they shift when they begin to shift blames. That fractures goes deeper, and it just doesn't injure their relationship with God. It injures their relationship between the two of them. See, there's not only a consequence of death for the disobedience of crossing this boundary line set by God. There's a fracture of trust when we blame others rather than own it and take responsibility. Adam and Eve end this show that they no longer fully trust God. They no longer fully trust each other. And in that, they no longer fully trust themselves. And see, it's through sin. It's like, Shell and I went on a walk this morning and We walked by the community pool, and it was just that still, kind of like that pond. No wind, no ripples, and you take a pebble and you throw it. I didn't. And there wasn't even a sign that said, Jason, don't throw pebbles into the pond, surprisingly. But when we do that, there's ripples that go out, and that's what sin does. It has this outward effect from that one touch point. When our trust with God is broken, our trust is broken with others, our trust is broken with ourselves, and the result is a trust that shows that brokenness has entered the world through sin. And it's like our tale of the dragon this morning, right? Rather than blaming others for the dragons and their lies, we need to stop ceasing and fighting and begin to name our own dragons, allowing Jesus to render them powerless and And then begin to restore us and heal us from the effects of the dragons and sin in our life. And when we turn it over to him, he gives us the ability to fully embrace life. Because that treasure, that fullness of life, is what he created us to enjoy. That abundance of God. Not to go ahead and be held prisoner by those dragons in our life. So then we see the... The humans begin to sew clothes on because <clears throat> they realize that they're naked, and and it doesn't see it doesn't take long for guilt of our of our sin to overcome us, and that guilt turns into shame, which causes them to hide from God. And it's interesting. I've always thought that that you know, it, it, guilt will keep me from sinning for a minute but shame puts me right back into it that guilt shame cycle same thing today when we find ourselves exposed when we find ourselves in sin don't we feel exposed don't we feel naked when we walk into a room don't we think everybody knows what i just did and we start hiding we start pulling into ourselves Think about how much time and how much energy, how many resources that we use to cover those areas in our life that we just want to keep hidden. Rather than simply naming it, giving it over to God in those areas in our life. See, we hide things in our life because something inside of us says that we know better and we choose not to listen. So the question is, how might the story have ended if Adam and Eve didn't hide? See, often we ask is, what if they never sinned in the first place? But there's a more important question to ask is, what if they had turned to God instead of turning away from God? What if they had turned to God and admitted their sin and didn't hide from God? In the passage, it demonstrates God's abundance and His provision and His trustworthiness. And we also see that despite their sin, despite their hiding and not trusting in God, God still seeks a relationship with them. What if humanity had chosen to run toward God instead of running away from God? Would the consequence have been the same? What if the actual sin here is more about the hiding and the failure to take responsibility for crossing the boundary and less about the disobedience itself? What if it's about the trusting and the relationship? You know, the idea of hiding uh, instead of confronting our sin is important because Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned. I got a friend that says, Jason, don't ever forget, you are unique just like every other person in this world. Yeah, you've sinned. So has everybody else in this world. We've all done it. We've all felt it. We've all experienced the consequence of sin. We've all felt that shame, and if we've all felt that shame, then maybe there really isn't shame in it. And when we, But when we do feel that shame, we have a choice. Do we run to God and confess it? Do we name it? Do we name it to God, or do we run away from God and hide it from God and ourselves? Maybe instead of blaming others, we begin to take responsibility. Instead of layering upon ourselves, shame upon shame upon shame, we should just confess it. Repent before God instead of hiding it when we feel convicted. Maybe we need to allow God to take our sins to redeem us, that we can be healed and be restored. Maybe we need to name the dragons and have Jesus just render it powerless and begin to have it dissolve out of our lives completely. You know, when we, when we turn to God and we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And cleanses the fall of all unrighteousness. It means we need to name it. It means we need to turn from our sins. It means we need to receive and acknowledge that He forgives us. And in His forgiveness and acknowledgement, it keeps us from returning to our sin. You know, Lent is a, a season on the church calendar that is set aside for the confrontation of sin. And maybe it's time that we stop blaming and shifting the blame. Maybe it's time we begin to come out of our own bushes and unburden ourselves from the shame that we've crafted to cover us, to
7: hide us.
0: See, the question isn't whether we have sinned, but whether we're trying to hide our sin from God. When we hide our sin from God, we are ultimately hiding the fullness of ourselves from God's presence. And just like Adam and Eve, God seeks to... He wants what's abundant for us. He wants to give us the fullness of life and we can't accept that if we're hiding in the bushes and we're cloaked in shame. What would happen if Adam and Eve had run to God instead of away from God? You know, I just quoted 1 John 1.19 about confessing our sins. And all throughout Scripture, we see that God pursues humanity in spite of sin. In spite of humanity hiding, God goes and finds us in it. God continues to pursue us. We see the prodigal son. <clears throat> when the son is walking toward the father, what does the father do towards the son? He runs. So I think it's safe to say that the story would have had a different ending had Adam and Eve not run from God because of their sin, but instead ran toward God instead. So in this Lenten journey, as we seek Jesus as our living water for us, let's stop running in the wrong direction. Let's collectively face God with our sins and humbly ask for His grace and forgiveness. Let's let's start running toward the one that is running toward us so that we might have a renewed relationship with God, have a renewed relationship with those around us, have a new re- renewed relationship within ourselves, with all of creation. And this is not an easy process, but we're going to find that, that God, who is full of love and full of mercy, will travel with us as we go through Lent on this 40-day journey together. Amen? So our challenge questions this week: What sin needs to be named and confessed in your life? How do you need specifically to turn back to God specifically? Have you asked God for forgiveness? Have you received God's forgiveness? You know, this morning we're <clears throat> taking communion, and communion is a sacrament that that. It's a sacrament of God's grace that restores His image within us. You know, here we have an open table. That means that it's everyone is welcome to this table. No one is excluded. And, and by participation in communion, it is a public declaration that Jesus is your Lord and that Jesus is your Savior. You know, Matthew 26, He has Jesus at the table with the disciples and, and He says that this is my bread. Or this this. This bread is my body is broken for the world and, and this juice is my blood that is shed for the forgiveness of sins for many. And after they had taken of the bread and taken of the juice, taken of the body and taken of the blood, they sang a hymn and they left. And so to prepare our hearts for communion this morning, can you please stand if you are able and let's just Say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I said, the, the table is open. If you can come up and, and grab of, of the body and the, the blood of Christ, and then go back to your seat. We'll all take together as one body and one spirit. Oh. If you're able, please stand. We take communion together. The body of Christ that is broken for the world. May we be a body of Christ that breaks open and shares the grace of God with the world. Take and eat in remembrance of him. The blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink in remembrance of him. May we keep you pure into everlasting life. You know, and while you're standing, <coughs> the, uh, you know, we talked about naming and confessing our sins and, and asking forgiveness. See, I found something that's often not shared in, in the church. I've been praying about it, and I feel that this morning would be a good opportunity to share this with everyone, is that we ask God for forgiveness, and then that's about it. Oftentimes, we, we, we forget that we need to receive His forgiveness we see, receive His forgiveness. I mean, we need to voice it and, and acknowledge it. We need to thank you, Lord. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for making me at peace with you, with others, and myself. Because sometimes when we ask for forgiveness, we still feel like we got to earn it. If I'm if I'm upset with someone and, and I do something to offend, say Pastor Steve, and I ask him to forgive me, you know, I'm gonna. Be watching it the next couple times we're together. Did he really forgive me? We don't have to do that with God. Forgiveness is free. You can't earn forgiveness, we can only accept it. You know, we worship a good, good father. So I just want to take a moment. I'm going to play a song right here and, and we're going to sing. And I just want to let you know the altars are open. You can come down, you can stay in your seat. Um, If you got something you need to confess and go before God, name your dragon. Name that sin in your life. Name those boundaries that you've crossed if you need to. Or simply, if you want to come down or just stand where you are and, and just say, Father, I receive your forgiveness. I receive the fullness of your love. There is nothing standing between my heart and yours. You have done it all. And at last, I'm at peace with you. I'm at peace with myself. I'm at peace with those around me. And Lord, you are good, and I thank you.
2: who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide. I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide Cause you know just what we need Before we say a word You're a good, good father Who you are It's who you are It's who you are and I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. Love so undeniable I can hardly speak Peace so inexplicable I can hardly think And you call me deeper still And you call me deeper still And you call me deeper still into love love you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who I am, you good, good Father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am.
0: Amen. Amen. You are sent out by God's grace and his love as we connect, grow, and serve in our communities, to reveal God's goodness and his love and, and to show how God takes away those dragons, those sins in our life when we confess them and name them to him, that he frees us to live the life in which he has created us in. Go. You are sent in love. Amen.